This is the Responsible Sports Podcast, presented by Liberty Mutual. Episode number 24, Rulon Gardner. Responsible Sports is a program dedicated to supporting coaches and parents who help our children succeed on and off the field. Each episode, our host, Jim Thompson, Executive Director of Positive Coaching Alliance, will be joined by some of the most influential players and coaches to share their thoughts and experiences with responsible coaching and responsible sports parenting. In this episode, Jim talks with two-time Olympic wrestling medalist Rulon Gardner. And people are like, how could you just walk in and win the Olympics? I said, because, you know, I had people who believed in me. You know, maybe it wasn't, you know, always success. Or maybe I always didn't win every match. But you know what? Even, even in failure, I learned from my experiences. And you probably learn more from your failures than you do from your successes. Gardner explains how a can-do attitude, forged on his family farm and encouraged by teachers and coaches, helped him to achieve his personal best in sports and in life. It was his strong personal belief in self that led him from humble beginnings to the gold medal podium. Ruin, uh, you really need no introduction, but I want to let our audience know um, all about you. Ruin Gardner is one of the top amateur wrestlers in U.S. history. He won a gold medal in Greco-Roman at the 2000 Olympics in Sydney and a bronze medal at the 2004 Olympics in Athens. His 2000 Olympic gold medal came after defeating Alexander Karelin, who had not lost a match in 13 years and had not given up a point in six years. That win also helped him to the U.S. Olympic Committee Sportsman of the Year Award and the James E. Sullivan Award for Amateur Athlete of the Year. In 2002, Rulin was stranded while snowmobiling and suffered hypothermia and frostbite that cost him one of his toes. Still, he adjusted to his new physical circumstances resumed training, and battled to the 2004 bronze medal. He also has overcome a plane crash, a motorcycle accident, and the dislocated wrist that popped out of its socket seven times during the 2002 U.S. National Meet. Rulin has overcome other obstacles, including a learning disability that could not keep him from graduating from the University of Nebraska. A quotation attributed to him on the university's website reads, Medals are just symbols. They lose their luster. My teaching degree from Nebraska is more important to me than anything I've achieved. It re- represents my most difficult journey of all and became the foundation for everything else I've ever accomplished. Rulin famously left his wrestling shoes on the mat in Athens as a signal of his retirement after winning the bronze in 2004, although there's talk he may be doing a comeback. Rulin, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure, and that's a pretty amazing bio to hear a little bit of uh my journey and my attributes. So it's a, it's an honor to be on and uh, I look forward to being able to hopefully share a few of my uh, journeys and a few of my opportunities to overcome obstacles that have been put in front of me. Well, let's start with, with uh, Afton, Wyoming. You grew up on a farm, one of nine children in the family. I assume there was a lot of hard work involved with that. How did that help prepare you for wrestling? There was, there was a lot of hard work uh, on the farm, being the youngest of nine children, you know, there was never ending work and being the one that uh, had to do a lot of sometimes a lot of the stuff that nobody else on the family farm wanted to do a lot of that hard work ended up in my lap and so for me I learned respect I learned responsibility and I learned a commitment to finish a job and follow it until it's finished and for me you know that was something that was instilled on you know me at day one as I as I first started my schooling and then learning I had my learning disability 
I jumped right into my, basically my knowledge and my information of what I could overcome. And, you know, for me, it was just an opportunity to receive and, and to reach out and overcome opportunities and op- obstacles. And, you know, the schooling was probably one of the things that really questioned me. But when I really got down to it, I could always lean back and realize, you know what, the farm and my family are the things that are going to make me the person. They're going to make me the best person I could be. You know, um, at the University of Nebraska website, one of the web pages about you mentions that you used to rest, wrestle your brother to decide had to do cer- who had to do certain chores. And I wonder if that's how you started wrestling. It was, and in you know being the you know the youngest, you know I didn't have the physical attributes. I didn't have the size and the strength of my brother. His name was Reynolds, and we first started wrestling five and six years old, and that's when I got my first exposure to the sport of wrestling. And my brother Reynolds used to beat me until my junior year. At the end of my junior year was the first time I beat my brother all the way through all the way through high school, you know, heading into college. And so for me. Wrestling wasn't successful at day one. It was something that I had to learn. It was something I usually lost at to my brother, but it was something that really gave me a value. I said, you know what? You may not be the best, but it's something that's instilling balance in your life. It's also instilling balance in your person. And for me, you know, being able to be part of it and, you know, wrestle with my brother. I got to spend time with probably the person that I looked up to the most in my life, and that was an older sibling, and that's the people that I looked up to as having value, and they were the ones that were my heroes. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, well, the, the, again, that Nebraska webpage mentioned you overcoming a diagnosis of learning disabilities. Um, that, that can be something that, I mean, there, there are people who do really well in sports, but then, you know, they overcome all kinds of obstacles, but then they have a learning disability uh, or an obstacle in the classroom, and they're, and they're somehow not able to deal with that. Can you talk about your struggle to deal with learning disabilities and the persistence you had to use to, to get your degree? Yeah, at it, the University of Nebraska, is, is I got, you know, through, and, you know, and I had a teacher, you know, that was probably one of the, the most inspirational people in my life, and his name was Bill Hooks, special ed teacher, and he told me something. If you give 100% every day in school, ruin, you will be successful, and for me, at a young age, I had no idea what that meant. But at a young age, I said, "Okay, I'm going to give 100 percent, not at you know winning the Olympics, but at, at being my best today at the thing that was right in front of me." And when it came to reading a homework assignment or taking a test, I worked hard, and that got me through high school, into college, and it got me to Nebraska. And as I got there, they told me, you know, the university, you can't make it, you can't do it. And then I got uh, basically affiliated with the students with disabilities. They put me in that program, and it was amazing. Overnight, the support that I had, the students with disabilities, the the you know the people that helped me to you know tutor me and give me the support, the university, the athletic program, you know, they said, "Ruin, there's nothing you can't do," and that's that's the spirit that I had, and I brought that energy with me every day. I never missed one day of class because if I missed one day of class. I would have failed and I would have fallen short of my goal and that was to be my best and I wasn't going to allow myself to fail. Did you feel any stigma to be part of a group called Students with Disabilities? You know, I had zero, you know, I had zero stigma on me because I didn't care what people thought of me, said about me, because I knew what I'd been through and I knew where I was going. And, you know, growing up, you know, I grew up Mormon, I grew up LDS. I don't, I didn't, drink alcohol. I didn't use drugs. 
you know, all the way through high school. Some of my friends were trying to get me drunk and trying to make me drink. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that stuff. Well, you know, what if we hold you down? I said, it doesn't matter. I said, for me, my belief is not into that stuff. And so when people made fun of me or gave me a hard time, what that made me do is it made me as a person work harder to prove myself, to say, look at what I've overcome. Look at what I've done. And that's what allowed me to achieve, I think, such greatness in education and then also the Olympics. And at the end of the day, those people that doubted me are like, holy cow, I'm so sorry. I had no idea, you know, what you were going to do. And I had no idea one person could have so much strength and character. And I just look back and say, you know what, you know, don't, you know, put a person down. Don't question a person because the worst thing you could do is count a person out in life because America is the land of opportunity. And look at what I've done. Look at what you can do. And you change people one day, one thought process at a time. You know, we um, with Positive Coaching Alliance and Responsible Sports, we talk about uh, moral courage. You know, it's physical courage where you go into a building to rescue a child in a fire. Moral courage is really standing up for what you believe in, even when other people don't. And it really strikes me that what you were what you were exhibiting was moral courage. It, you know, you were you were following your values, even though they weren't necessarily popular. Yeah, and, you know, people in reality, you know, they have their beliefs and they think that they should instill their beliefs upon you. And the people that I looked up to, the people that, that meant so much to me that I wanted to make proud was my mom, was my dad, it was my, my nine brothers and sisters. And I wanted them to say, you know what, my brother Ruin may not be the best looking or the hardest, you know, hitting football player or wrestler, but he is a hard worker and he's committed and he'll give 100% and he'll finish a job. And I think that's probably the most honor I could get is, is my family saying, you know what, we're proud of our brother. Even if he didn't win the Olympics or even if he didn't do this, my family was proud of me. And that meant so much to me. And having morals like that, it wasn't a question. It was about, you know, me being who I was. And one of the interesting stories that I've heard through the years is after I won the gold medal, I, I became real good friends with Garth Brooks, the country singer. And one night I had a chance to meet Garth back at college. And I could have went and met Garth and had a good time, partied it up and had fun. Or I could have studied for my anatomy bone exam. And I got a, out of 200 points, I got 192 points the night of the concert. You know, the next morning when I took the test, I got an A on the test. You know, that was the reason I passed that class is because of that night. And later, Garth Brooks talked about, you know, character and morals and values. And, you know, for me, that night was just a culmination of everything I've been through. You know, and it wasn't just a one-time opportunity to have moral character. It was about a daily battle and a daily journey to be who you are and to be your best. Wow, what a great story. You know, you've talked a lot about your family motivating you. What about coaches? Have you had influential coaches that have really helped you get where you are? No, from all the way from high school to elementary to, you know, the Olympic level. You know, one of my coaches, uh, a guy named Kevin Kennington and, you know, Richard Hooks and Bill Hooks, you know, in high school, and they really kind of gave me some value. And then, you know, I went to Rick's Junior College in Idaho, and I went to a junior college. It wasn't the big times. I had to go through. I wasn't ready to go to a Division One wrestling program. I had to go small time. And as I went to Rick's College, you know, the wrestling coach there saw me lose my only match my senior year in high school. And I'm like, why did you, why did you recruit me? He said, really, because you had heart. You had character. I can't teach you heart. I can teach you technique and all this other stuff, but I can't teach a person 
your dedication and commitment. You had it, and that's what I loved about you. And then all the way to the University of Nebraska, you know, one of my coaches was Tim Newman, who followed me, who believed in me. You know, my senior year at Nebraska, I took fourth place. I fell short of winning a national title, but then that gave me the courage to continue to try to make the Olympic team. And I had a coach named Mike Houck who never saw me wrestle Greco-Roman because all the way through high school, I never wrestled, you know, Greco-Roman, and that's the style that I won the Olympics in. I had to learn a whole new style of wrestling after college, and this coach believed in me. And then uh, Steve Frazier was my national team coach, and he still is the coach today. He told me, Ruin, he says, I believe in you. I know you can win a medal. I know you can win the Olympics. And Steve Frazier said, I could do it. And I believe that he, you know, in him because he was an Olympic champion. He knew what it took to be the best in America. And I took his knowledge and his character that he gave me. And I, and I learned to utilize it. And I actually respected it. And I learned to lean on it because his character made me believe that I could win in the Olympics. Wow, what a what a string of great coaches you've had. That's you know we could only wish that uh, every youth athlete in the country would have great coaches like that. And you had just a a lot of them. You know, I, I did, and you know, there's probably one or two bad coaches out there. But I think you know, overall, the the students and the athletes, you got to work through the good and the bad. And you know, I think one thing that a coach really looks for is hard work. You know, you may not be the best looking or the most skilled athlete, but are you a hard worker? Yes. Are you an athlete that gives 100 percent? Yes. You know, a coach that's all he can ask. And I think his youth and his children in America, if we find that character and those values, and we continue to instill it upon you know kids. You know, there's nothing a kid can't do. And, you know, if there is a bad coach, that one bad coach shouldn't destroy his whole opinion of a sport. And I've had a lot of young athletes tell me that, oh, I don't do the sport anymore because of my coach. It's like, you know what, don't let that deter you from enjoying the sport. You know, find maybe another program, find a different sport, but continue to enjoy sports because the values they give you, you know, teach you. And that's why I did wrestling, I did football, I did track. I didn't always get along with my coaches. I didn't always get the playing time I wanted or, you know, the opportunity to wrestle. But, you know what, I had people who who believed in me and who gave me respect. Wow, that's, uh, that's amazing. You know, um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of athletes nowadays are really pressured to focus on one sport really early. You also did track and field. You were a pretty good shot putter. How did wrestling and track and field work with each other or against each other in your development as an athlete? Well, you know, and, and for me, and it, it's kind of, you know, there's not one easy way to answer these questions because for me, it wasn't just about doing one sport. I did wrestling, I did track, I did football, I did every sport I could to get off that stinking farm because I didn't <laughs> like working on it. You know, I worked on it every day during the summer for 15, 18 hours a day. You know, I didn't have friends. I didn't have a lot of friends. My family was my friends. And so I learned the value of hard work. You know, I had that, but then also, you know, not just, you know, my family. I also, I did every sport to, to get involved in, and to get engaged. And, you know, after learning the values of the people around me, you know, I could take that and, you know, utilize it in anything in life. And so for me, doing the different sports, you know, I, I learned technique. I learned companionship, friendship, you know. I learned how to throw the shot put in the discus and, you know, out on the football field. I was all state in the foot, you know, I'm in uh, the state of Wyoming in football. So I learned and I engaged all these different great athletes and I learned so much about myself and I learned how to, you know, pursue excellence and I, and I ultimately 
you know, received that gift, and I ultimately was successful because I had, you know, the, the, the different cultures around me, and people were like, how could you just walk in and win the Olympics? I said, because, you know, I had people who believed in me. You know, maybe it wasn't, you know, always success, and maybe I always didn't win every match, but you know what? Even in failure, I learned from my experiences, and you probably learn more from your failures than you do from your successes. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you talked about companionship. Uh, wrestling and track and field, for that matter, too, are uh, like uh, golf and tennis and swimming. They're, they're individual sports, but you're part of a larger team. Um, we've got a lot of athletes around the country who are individual sport athletes who are part of that kind of a team. Any advice that you can give kids who are you know individual athletes but they're part of a team to how they can support their teammates you know ultimately in, in wrestling being that you know i remember you know going through high school and then into the olympics and you know getting there and it's like i wanted to cheer for every one of my you know my friends to keep wrestling keep kicking butt and so i'd be there supporting them it's like whoa you're getting ready to wrestle here in a few matches you got to focus on you and and i had a time period you know 30 minutes 45 minutes before my match that was my time. I didn't care who was wrestling. I didn't worry about it. If they were on the mat before I wrestled them, I could see them and go, oh, he won or he lost. You know, I never really, you know, corresponded. So for me, I put my team aside at a certain point, but the rest of the time I was part of the team and I wanted to support them because they were just as good as me or they, they were even better than me. And I wanted to be part of that greater team because I know when one of the guys that I cheer for, I know when I'm out there wrestling, he'll be, he'll be cheering for me. Wow, that's great. Um, going into your um, the match with Corellan, you were it's a huge underdog. I mean, I, I you know maybe maybe you and your family and your coaches thought you could do it, but I think the rest of the world who knew wrestling didn't really think you had a chance. What was your mindset in approaching that match? Well, the, the mindset going into the gold medal match, and I kind of almost laugh at it because my mindset was probably fear. And, you know, mm. more, more, more than anything is being like, okay, this guy's the baddest and the biggest and the toughest and the meanest. He is overall the, the probably the scariest person that you'll ever meet. And so for me walking out there, you know, I looked up at, at Corellan and I looked at his size, but then I also didn't think about just the final. I thought about the previous four matches and winning the way I did. I, I won the first two matches pretty easily. The third match, I won two to one. The fourth match, I was losing, th- you know, two to zero, and I went back and won three to two. And so for me, I learned so much in those successes, but I learned so much, you know, in the adversity of the tournament. And so for me, walking out against Corellan, we had a plan, we had a goal, we had a, a belief, and our goal was, you know what, challenge Corellan. Get in his face. Let him know that you're not scared of him. Let him know that you're not going to run from him. You know, that, you know, let him know that you believe in yourself. And if you lose, ultimately, you know what, you're guaranteed a silver medal. No big deal. How, how did you feel when the match was over? If the match was over, I kind of got done. I'm like, well, you know, I got done with it. And I'm like, did I just win? Really? <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, and most people are like, oh, I knew I was going to win the whole time. For me, I was like, really? I won? And then I even said to my coaches, I'm like, what happened? They're like, I don't know. I'm like, you know, and I went back. I did the first media interview. It was very quick and very short. And I'm like, what happened, coach? He's like, I don't know. And I'm up on the podium just blown away. And I look out, and I'm like, is that the you know is that is that the wrestler Corellan is that my, is that the Russian did, did I win this match and I was completely blown away and you know through the national anthem I was like if that's really him I want to reach out and touch him you know I thought maybe it's not real and I'm going to reach out and touch him and people were probably going to laugh at me or 
it was an insult during the national anthem. And I was so blown away. I was, you know, they say you're in the zone. And when you're in the zone, you focus on nothing but yourself and you focus on nothing but the mat. And sometimes when you get on wrestling, you remember everything. That match with Corellan, I remember maybe a second of the whole match because wow. I was so focused on the mat. I didn't have any perception or any of the awareness of what happened. All I focused on was the match itself. Wow. Um, you said earlier that you know you're you're part of the team and you're rooting for your teammates, and then you know a certain point before your match, you you um, you got to focus on yourself. Can you say a little bit about how you prepare? What do you do in those thirty minutes before the before the match? Me, you know, the match, it was basically a preparation phase where I knew I would have about 30 minutes. And so what I did is, is I already warmed up. And what we call, we call it blowing your lungs, where your cardio is good. Everything's really good. You're in good mind and your body and your your soul is in good position. I always usually play twice before I wrestled. And so I would go out there um, and, I would, and I would just give 100%. And, you know, I would go through the drills. I would go through the things I want to do when I'm out on the mat. And I would just go through them mentally and physically. And it was just a process of building my confidence. You know, most guys walk out there confident, knowing exactly what they're going to do, knowing what, what skill they have. And for me, the way I looked at my wrestling, I didn't look at it as being, I know I'm the best in the world. What I did is I went out there, and we call these things positive affirmations. And those are the things that make you the best of what you are. And my positive affirmation wasn't that I was a world champ or this or that and the other. My positive affirmation is I'm a good wrestler. I have good position. I have good, you know, stance. I have good movement. I have good technique. And I have really good lungs. You know, a lot of the wrestlers I wrestle with call it an iron lung. I never get tired. I never get exhausted. I never get, you know, conditioned. You know, know, I'm used to wrestling two-hour matches. And so for me, you know, you wanted to go out there with as much strength as you had. And the way I went out there... I went out there with very little confidence. I was like a little, you know, a ball of explosive. When I started going, most wrestlers start strong and they get weak. I start weak and I get strong. When I finish at the end of the nine-minute match, I'm stronger, I'm meaner, I'm tougher. I'm better at the end of the match than I am at the beginning of the match because it's the way we trained. And for me, I couldn't beat you physically. I'm short. I'm only six one. I couldn't beat you technically because these guys have been wrestling for a lot more years in Greco-Roman and me. And so for me, I had to make up of the lack of technique through hard work and commitment and just overwhelming, you know, belief in myself. You know, in Responsible Sports, we talk about redefining what it means to be a winner. Um, We have this thing called the Elm Tree of Mastery where you give your best effort every time. The L is for learning and improving no matter what's happening. And the M is for bouncing back from mistakes. And um, and what do, what do you think about this idea of redefining what it means to be a winner? Because it seems like that's what you've done. Yes, for probably redefining. I think I have a different belief than a lot of other people because, you know, you look at it, and I know a lot of successful athletes, and I know Michael Phelps, and, you know, success for him is eight gold medals. And <laughs> with the wrestlers, you know, background in, in Greco-Roman like I had, a, a wrestler success for a wrestler is to make it to the Olympics, you know, because in the sport of wrestling, the Russians are so dominant that the Russians are so, you know, I, I did the Beijing in the Olympics. In the last day of wrestling, out of 18 medals, the former Soviet Union athletes 
15 of 18 medals. Now, that's how dominant they are. So we know that the Russians are the best. We know that us win medals is, is very, you know, few and far between. So for me, walking out there, I know I got to overcome so many obstacles. But for me, I can redefine. The only person that is going to, you know, help me succeed or fail is me. You know, the coaches can get me there. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, for me, I, I make the decision. And for me, it was never about winning a gold medal. The thing that I... I think success was, and success for me is three things. Did I do my best? Did I do everything in my potential? And is there anything else I could do in this match or today that will help me be a champion or will help me be the best or help me be on the Olympic team or help me, you know, lose the weight or get in shape or anything that I had. And so those are the things that defined me. And those are the things that helped me to get to that Olympic level. And it was amazing to see, the pieces of knowledge that I used to get me to that level. And ultimately I redefined, you know, Greco-Roman wrestling because you know, I'm the first American to win the Olympic games in a, a world championship. And, you know, to do what I've done, most people think it's, it's unbelievable. But for me, it's just daily life because that's what I expect out of myself. That's be my best and my best. If it's being a world champion or if it's just, you know, going to college, whatever it is, I'm willing to sacrifice to be the best that I can every day. You know, um, that, that's fantastic, Ruin. The, um, many athletes use self-talk, uh, you know, to kind of keep them going in hard times. Um, did you use self-talk when you were, you know, wrestling against a really incredible opponent like Corell and when you were in your snowmobile accident, et cetera? Uh, did you use self-talk? Um, you know, self-talk, uh, vision, uh, you know, mental pre preparation. You know, there's, there's so many different things you can go by. And for me, I use self-talk. I use, you know, motivation and, you know, as you say, self-talk. Um, my self-talk, sometimes it wasn't appropriate, you know, but when I'm, you know, I'd call myself a piece of garbage, you know, because I knew I was being lazy. I knew I wasn't being the champion that, that I should be. I know I, I'm not living up to my potential. And so I would say, you know, you need to kick it in the butt. You need to work hard. You know, if some guy's pushing me around, some guy's beating me, you know, I would say to myself, push, 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 dig, 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 work, work, work. And I would, I would come up with phrases like that. And when I started doing that, you know, that would motivate myself to get back in there. It would motivate myself to get back out there and, and just kick it in the butt and, and grip my teeth. And, you know, it was more of an attitude change than fear. And, you know, I had one, one incident where I'm sitting there looking and I'm wrestling Matt Kafari, who was the Olympic silver medalist in the world, silver medalist three times. And I'm out there getting ready to wrestle him. But in 2000, right before the final match, to make the Olympic team. Uh, I won the first match. He won the second. And it's the third and the final deciding match. And I look up, and he's standing there with Randy Couture, who was the UFC champion, and a coach that had coached me previously, a guy named Bob Anderson. And they're laughing and having a good time. And I, and I saw that, and I'm like, are you kidding me? You think you're going to beat me? Oh, no, you're not. And then he <laughs> motivated me, and it made me mad. It, it infuriated me internally. And so I went out there saying, you're not going to lose. You're not going to back down. And I went out there, and I worked him, and I got him so tired, and I beat him 1-0 to make the Olympic team. And that's the thing that sparked me. And before I saw that, I was so down on myself, thinking, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know. But then I saw him taking this match too lightly, and that self-talk motivated me to push through when I doubted myself. And that's why I think is, is making a champion and making a winner is overcoming that negative that that disbelief in yourself and i've used 
you know, now eight or ten of those experiences in my life to, to ultimately succeed and win medals and, you know, just get back on track in life. Well, now you know you can do it because you've, you've come back so many times. You know, and that's the difference. You know, you ask a person, what's the difference between a champion and a non-champion? One knows how to get there. The other one's still finding the way. It's always easier to become a champion the second time, you know, and people say, oh, it's not because I can wrestle. And you prove yourself, and then the Russians don't overlook you. You prove yourself nobody else is ready. But, you know, in wrestling, I proved myself the first time. You know what? I knew that I had it in me to be the champion. I knew I had it in me to, to go out there and overcome. And, you know, this comes about, I was at the quarterfinals of the world in 2001, and I was wrestling a guy named Yuri Petrakia. And I was losing three nothing in the quarterfinals. And, you know, just to give you a fact, history, he's the same guy one month before the Olympic Games in Sydney you know, before I won the gold medal, I went out there in this tournament in Russia, and I went out there to show how good I was, and I attacked him. I was super aggressive. He threw me, and he pinned me. First time in 13 years. I win the gold medal. I come back the year after. I'm losing 3 nothing to him, and I have a minute. And I three times I throw him, and every time out of bounds, the referee could give me a point. But nobody wanted me to win. The referees wanted Russia to win. And the referee's like, no, 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 no points. And the third time I threw him, I walked back to the middle, and I thought, you know what, you won the Olympics last year, but you know what, no. You're going to go until the referee physically stops you. And I went back out there the third time. I threw him and I pinned him with less than 20 seconds left to win the quarterfinals and then ultimately to win the world championships in 2001, the year after I won the Olympics. Wow. What a story. In light of all, all the obstacles you've overcome, what, what advice do you have for youth athletes who are facing adversity? You know, and I think, you know, you say youth athletes, you know what, have fun in the sport. Go out there and engage in it, and there's nothing wrong with competition. There's nothing wrong with losing. You know, I lost all the way through high school to my brother until the end of my junior year. I finally beat my brother three times. And our, and coach came in and said, okay, Ruin, you've beaten your brother, so officially you could go and, and wrestle to go to the state tournament, but it's your brother's last year. Do you care if he goes? I said, no. My brother won the state tournament my junior year. I won it my senior year. It wasn't about winning. It wasn't about, you know, victory. That's not the only thing. It was about the journey and experiences. These young athletes, you know, that, that struggle and maybe aren't winning, who cares? At the end of the day, what team building, what experiences did you get from hanging out with other athletes and having a great time and, and creating a, an ability of yourself in cardio and conditioning and just, just having a great time? But then if you have a bad situation, you know what? There's no need to go out there and get in trouble. I was just back in Wyoming last week, and they said, you know, the best high school, you know, they're the best, second best high school basketball team in the state in Wyoming. Their star player got ejected out of the regional tournament, and that disqualified him from the state tournament. Their team didn't even make it out of the first round of the state tournament because he had a grudge, because he had something that he didn't like. You know what? You've got to look at the bigger picture of life. You have to see the values that you're after. You have to instill that upon you and upon people around you. If you don't have good people around you, you need to find better people and you need to put yourself in a situation where you have a team. If it's your family, if it's your friend, create a positive in your life. Don't go out there and look for people that you can't relate with. Find people that you can pick up and find people that you can you know, utilize to be your friend to help you be where you want to be. Ruin, what a what an incredible story about uh, you know the, the the love and concern you and your brother have for each other. That's just really beautiful. 
Um, what's what's this uh, stuff about a comeback? Are you thinking about a comeback? You know, I am. I'm actually uh, in the process of uh, getting ready for the 2012 Olympic trials. It's eight years removed, you know, and, and talking about all this stuff and, you know, talking about the, the attitude of the champion, you know, I, I lived it my whole life and I thought, you know what, I don't want to live it anymore. And I let myself not stay focused. I let myself not be the champion that I was. And I didn't stay healthy. I got overweight. I became obese. I got on the biggest loser. And I thought about being on the show just about winning the money and losing the weight. But then ultimately, I'm like, when was I the happiest? When was I really ruling Gardner? And that's when I was less. And I said, you know what? You're, you're 40 years old. You're healthy. You're strong. You're young. You can still go. And I left the biggest loser to go out there and to make the Olympic team. And that was my goal day one when I left the show. My goal here in, in basically two months is to make the Olympic team in 2012 and try to bring back a third Olympic medal to America. I've already won a gold and a bronze. The only one I'm missing is the, the silver. You know, um, wow, that's, that's, that's really inspiring. And, you know, we talked earlier about redefining what it means to be a winner. It seems like um, you're in a great place because if you make the team, if you get a medal, that's fantastic. But if you give your best, um, you know, you're going to be a winner no matter what. And if I don't make the Olympic team, what am I? I'm healthy. I'm back to when, you know, I won the Olympics. And that's when I was truly the leanest and I was truly the healthiest. And I can kind of start my life over, even though it's eight years removed. And my sister, who's a cardiologist, told me, Ruland, you will be dead in five or ten years if you don't take accountability of your health and your weight. And hearing that from my sister kind of <laughs> was like a punch in the gut. But the problem was is she had told me that for basically a year and I kept ignoring her until finally I, I realized that I didn't even recognize myself that I needed to take accountability and I started taking accountability and that's when I decided to get on the biggest loser and go out there and take on a challenge. People said, Oh, wasn't it tough getting on national T V weight you know, weighing over four hundred and seventy pounds. I said, You know what? No, it wasn't because you know what? I have the obligation to myself to to expect more out of myself. And that's not just to, you know, limp through life and try to survive. I want to be the person that I was, the person that had the commitment to me. Because you know what? I have a young wife. I have a beautiful wife. And we want to start a family. And I want to live a long time to be with her. And if I if I sell myself short, I'm not going to truly enjoy the later years with her. And I don't want to put myself through that. I want to be able to be here and enjoy my time on this beautiful earth because it's so amazing. And you know, the land of opportunity, the land of America. You know, I love this country. I've been to over 40 countries around the world, and there's no country that can compete or compare to America. You know, Ruin, uh, there's a whole uh, whole country of people who can uh, can learn from you, and I really appreciate your taking the time to talk to us. I know you're heading off to Colorado Springs right now, um, taking the time to talk to us, and all of the sports parents, coaches, athletes out there who are going to listen to this uh Responsible Sports Podcasts podcast are going to get a lot out of it. So, uh, two things: thank you for your time, and second, know that you've got a whole bunch of people pulling for you in uh, your quest to make the Olympic team. Thank you so much. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, you know, thank God we live in this country, and thank you know, thank God that we have opportunities to participate in sports. And you know, at the end of the day, people say, "Oh, what happens if you get injured? What happens if you you know don't win the Olympics?" I live on. I move on. You know. Sports and and that was only a part of my life. You know, people, you know, people are like, oh, it's a wrestling everything. I said, yeah, it was a lot of things. It wasn't everything. 
I have so much more in life that I look forward to that I live for besides wrestling that make me who I am. And I think if we sell ourselves short, we're not truly appreciating it. So don't forget to enjoy the journey. You know, turn around and enjoy and appreciate where you're at. You know, watch, you know, the surroundings. I got to the Olympic Games and I enjoyed them, but I didn't party and act like, you know, like I was never going to be there again. And I went out there and won the Olympic gold medal. Most people would have been like, oh, I can't compete at this level. You know what? You can do what you ask to do. And that's what sports will allow you to do is believe in yourself. And ask, ask the coaches around you and the coaches will help you succeed because I did it. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. And that's a guarantee. And hopefully someday I can have the opportunity to train a lot of the people or at least be somewhat in the influence of the people that are listening to this podcast, because without, you know, goal and, and, you know, discipline and and dreams, you can't achieve anything. Wow. Thank you so much, Rulon, and and best of luck with everything else. And uh, this has been fantastic. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks, and I appreciate it, and I can't wait to listen and uh, go out there. Good luck, and uh, you know, go for the gold. To learn more about responsible sports, including downloading valuable tools on how you can help youth athletes believe they too can succeed in youth sports and life, visit ResponsibleSports.com. You'll find helpful responsible sport parenting and responsible coaching guides, downloadable tools and worksheets, and advice from leading youth sports experts. Music for this podcast has been generously provided by APM Music.